What's up, Dolphins fans? This is Kyle Krabs on this Wednesday, October 27th, 2021 edition of Locked on Dolphins. Today on the show, all of our film, all 22 reactions to Sunday's game against the Atlanta Falcons, which is going to include some stock up and stock down for some of the players we're very closely evaluating throughout the course of the remainder of this 2021 season. That and more here on Locked on Dolphins. You are Locked on Dolphins, your daily Miami Dolphins podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, Dolphins fans? This is Kyle Krabs, your host here on Locked on Dolphins, lifelong Miami Dolphins fan, director of scouting at the draftnetwork.com, and uh, just got finished sorting through the All-22 of Sunday's contest between the Atlanta Falcons and the Miami Dolphins. And I'm excited to have this conversation because there's a couple of players that we've kind of pegged down as uh, players to watch, players to evaluate. And now that we have a couple more games since kind of we accepted this was the trajectory of this season, um, some some early determinations we're kind of at a point where we could start to make. I thought it was the best game Tua Tungvaloa has played as a member of the Miami Dolphins. And uh, he graded well in a lot of metrics. I know Pro Football Focus had him as a top five quarterback uh, this past weekend. And you watched him play. And I think there were probably a couple of aggressive throws uh, that you would have liked to have seen him try to make. There was a... um, it was early in the game. It was a play-action rollout. And to a reset and threw back down uh, into the flats. And it was for a nice game. And I, and I don't want to dismiss the game that was there to be had. But it was a high post, single high free safety. And Mike was kind of running that deep over route that we keep asking for Jalen Waddle to be running. Uh, but Mike runs it well, too. And uh, we'll get to Mike in a couple of minutes. and. Uh, the safety's hips were flipped into the boundary and Mike was running into the field on a crosser and he had a step. And I thought, you know, to his play action pass, literally turn your back to the defense, hold the ball out, roll out, reset. They had Robert Hunt on a, I think it was called a whirly bird technique or something like that, where he goes to, to block down or pull and then doubles back around and is kind of seal contain on the edge of the pocket. And Tua had space to work. and. Thought potentially, if he wanted to be aggressive and take the shot, he could have tried that shot, put it on a rope. Safety's hips were open the wrong way, so he was never going to be able to speed turn and flip and carry and, and get back to contest the ball to catch point if it was an accurate throw. But, I mean, Tua put a, a bunch of throws on the hands of guys. Uh, did he always set guys up for the best of yards after catch? No, I don't think so. I, I think there's, you know, it, it would be... Overly ambitious to say he didn't throw with ball placement, you know, obviously beyond the two turnovers that he threw. And you know, there's some discussion about the interception, and I'll get to that in a minute. Um, but he was, he was fairly accurate in this football game and, and consistent with his reads. And I like how he moved within the pocket. And um, it, it, this was another game in which, from a pass protection standpoint, uh, Miami was respectable. Well, they, they had a respectable game in pass protection for the second consecutive week. I think the last three weeks, 
of pass protection for Miami, you got to be encouraged about from an offensive line standpoint. I don't know what's changed. I know two has played the last two games. But even against Tampa Bay, I thought the effort was better in pass pro. Uh, so two of fairly confident with his decisions. I know there is some criticism about how much Miami is implementing RPOs and play action passing and screens and all that kind of stuff. I think I saw from Pro Football Focus, Seth Galina had put the article out, and Seth does great work uh, for PFF, and, and he had written the article, and effectively he was calling for the Dolphins to run a more open version of their offense so they can really evaluate Tua Tagovailoa for the rest of the season, and we'll see if they have that opportunity or not. But he had the stat in there that approximately 50% of the throws that Tua Tagovailoa has made this season have been on play-action pass, RPO, or screen passes. Schemed throws. And he's not wrong. Like, think back to when Jacoby was in. I I believe that number, according to Seth Galina, had dropped closer to 25% when Jacoby Brissett was in the game. And to some degree, that's what Tua does well, right? So you want to have those kinds of things implemented. But you also want to have the full menu available at your disposal, and you want to see Tua running more vertical, open concepts and ask him to be aggressive and encourage him to take some of those shots. Uh, so they, they, I don't think we had a single target against Atlanta that traveled further than 20 yards downfield. Um, but I like the confidence that he played with. A little bit of overconfidence at times. We had... Uh, uh, the corner or deep out or whatever you want to call it to Durham Smythe. And at the end of the day, yeah, Durham probably hung him out to dry by not fighting for the football and letting the safety break across his face. But if I'm Tua and it's cover two, I can't throw that ball. I can't justify Tua making the decision to throw that ball. And the great ones... They'll break the rules. They'll get away with it. They'll make a play. You'll pat them on the ass say, hey, great job. Don't do that again. But that's the risk you take. Traditionally speaking, when it's cover two, and even the corner, it it wasn't two-man. It was straight zone. So they tried kind of a high-low concept with a corner and then a flat underneath of it. And the corner was kind of in between in the middle. and the safety that ended up sitting over top of the route was flat-footed on the goal line, squatting on a break in front of his face. That's an ambitious decision to make. It bit the Dolphins at the end of the half. The other one I'm a little more inclined to say was a miscommunication between two and Jalen Waddell. He's in the grasp, Austin Jackson. And... um as Tua was, was cocking his arm to release, Jalen was square to him and then went to break away but broke into traffic. And the linebacker that was stepping up to potentially collision the catch point, with Jalen Waddle gone, gift basket, throw right to, to, to that linebacker. Now, I will say from Tua's perspective, first play off a turnover, you're in plus territory, just eat the ball. You know, it's growing pains. It's growing pains. But generally speaking, like, very accurate, very confident. This was this past two weeks of Tua Tungvaloa was the best version of him that we've seen. And I don't think there's any question of that. As far as the rest of the offense, I'm going to tell you about that as soon as I tell 
all of you listeners here on Locked On Dolphins about an incredible app for anybody who buys gas. It's called Get Upside. Listeners are making up to 25 cents for every gallon of gas. Every time they fill up, just download the free Get Upside app in the App Store or Google Play right now and use promo code TOUCHDOWN to get a bonus 25 cents per gallon on your first fill up. That's up to 50 cents cash back on your first fill up at the pump. Don't pay full price anymore. Get cash back using Get Upside. Just download the app for free and use promo code TOUCHDOWN to get up to 50 cents per gallon cash back on your first tank. Some people who drive a lot are making as much as two to $300 a month in cash back. There's no catch. The cash back can get added right to your account. You can cash out anytime to your bank account, PayPal, or e-gift cards such as Amazon or other brands. Just download the free Get Upside app and use promo code TOUCHDOWN. Two or three, four of those touchdowns. And he got that without a lot of help uh, from one of the already mentioned players in this football game, Austin Jackson. Uh, 47 passing reps for the offensive line. And amongst those 47 passing reps, Austin Jackson gave up four more pressures. Uh, No other player on the offensive line gave up more than two. So Austin continues to struggle. That for the season leaves Austin Jackson with 33 pressures on the season. Uh, He has not given up less than four pressures in any game played thus far this season. Eight against Buffalo, six against the Raiders, six against the Colts four against the Buccaneers, five against the Jaguars, and four against the Falcons. This has been woefully bad. Uh, This has been, I think I've seen enough, especially because you you take the struggles in pass protection, and you you knew that was going to be the case. Right? And we, we said it on this show, you anticipate taking Austin Jackson's issues as a player, and you insert that into the interior of the offensive line, it's not going to make those problems go away. He struggles with hand placement, hand timing, punch power, securing blocks, and framing blocks. This is not, oh, I just don't have the foot speed to stay outside on guys. And um, as he has settled into guard and continued to struggle, the extra sting for me was on special teams of all places. Austin Jackson plays right tackle on the field goal unit. And the first extra point of the game, Austin Jackson, head down, takes a real big step, almost like he's a goalie making a kick save. They're protecting the B gap inside. Uh, but leaves a massive void in the C-gap. I know for a fact the Falcons saw it because their next kick was the blocked field goal. And you know who did the same exact thing? Austin Jackson. And you know who came through? And what gap they came through to block the field goal that eventually would be the difference in a two-point loss for the Dolphins? The guy lined up in the C-gap across from Austin Jackson. So I want to blame Austin Jackson for a lack of execution. 
But I also have to call out the special teams coaches in that situation because you saw it on the extra point. I, I tweeted out the picture. You got away with it. The next time he's out there protecting a kick, he does the exact same thing. And the opposing coaches saw it, and they called it out, and they called a block, and they blocked the kick. And that can be the difference in winning and losing a football game. And it was one of many instances. There were probably eight to ten plays throughout the course of this football game where if one of them breaks different, the Dolphins probably win the football game. But none of them did. And at some point, if that continues to happen week over week over week over week over week, then at some point you kind of have to acknowledge like, man, our guys in, in a game of inches, our guys are missing every opportunity. And a lot of that comes down to preparation and coaching. So from Austin Jackson's perspective, had the holding penalty. We had the, the poor execution on the field goal team that resulted in the blocked kick. We also had hot mess uh, of pass protection and getting steamrolled by Grady Jarrett on a, on a speed rush and you know, a complete failure to uh, execute without affording a lot of room. And I'm also watching them run wide zone and you got a three technique on you and they're running away from the three tech and you don't offer any chip punch anything to help your left tackle outside of you on the backside work his body in a position to work around that block you you could at least throw a hand out there and offer a little bit of resistance instead of just going with the flow of the play, busting ass to get out of there and vacating this big space for this three technique to scrape down the line and work up and square up Miles Gaskin in the backfield for a loss. It's a lot of little things. And I understand Austin Jackson is, is going through a positional transition midseason to play inside a guard. But the issues are all still prevalent. And I think I've seen enough. I was willing when we did the original assessment to call him a um, ongoing evaluation. I don't think I need to see much more to know the answer, the final answer, uh, which is uh, I don't foresee a very favorable path for Austin Jackson to be considered a reliable starter on this football team. And that stinks, because again, this was the 18th overall pick in the 2020 draft. This is why you don't draft for need exclusively by position. We heard the reports before the 2020 draft. It was reported. Miami wants a quarterback and an offensive tackle with their first two picks. And maybe, you know, I believe they did try to get up to Tristan Wirfs, but San Francisco didn't want to go that far down in the order and risk losing out on Javon Kinlaw, so they only traded back one spot with Tampa Bay. Okay. There were other good offensive linemen available. They just happened to play on the inside. Don't say we need a tackle and take OT5 at 18 just because you need a tackle. Could have drafted Cesar Ruiz, who was apparently the team's target. There at 26, I think it was. Saints sniped him, for, sniped him for him. Jeff Ireland had good intel. That was the guy that they wanted. Apparently, they wanted Brandon Ayuk next at 26. San Francisco might have got wind of that and talking with Miami about a potential trade-up for Wirfs at, at 13. 
all I know is San Francisco traded up to 25 to one spot in front of the Dolphins and drafted Ayuk, and then the Dolphins traded out. And then they drafted Noig Badagany. Man. Um, elsewhere on the offensive line, you know, Jesse Davis is, is what he is at this point. He's going to make you pull your hair out on a weekly basis for uh, the lack of physicality and consistency and sustainability on his blocks. Robert Hunt was up and down, but at least he plays with a chip on his shoulder. He plays mean and nasty, and he's settled in, and he's picked up a couple slabs of ribs over the last couple of weeks and help, finding help and finding work and knocking guys on their ass and beating guys up. I love to see the effort. Jalen Waddle played a good football game, guys. He did. I thought he played a better football game than the 7 for 86 or whatever it was would indicate. The first touchdown, Jalen Waddle runs that deep over intermediate route that we've been calling for that he did so well at Alabama. And it was the the touchdown, and they did like a scissors concept to the three-man side, the trip side. And Isaiah Ford, Mike Gusecki had set kind of a natural pick with his vertical stem uh, shaded outside, and Isaiah Ford folded underneath of it. Waddle was out of there so quick as the three-strong receiver running the cross that that was what allowed Isaiah Ford to score on the play. And Jalen Waddle burnt his defender in man-to-man coverage on that crossing pattern by about four yards. He just happened to run it all the way across the field and into where other routes were, so you couldn't go up over the top and put it in there. Maybe if you tried to loft it to the back goal line, but the forward throw was cleaner, and it was probably earlier in the progression. But Waddle created a lot of space and helped allow that touchdown to happen. You don't see that in the stat sheet, but that's a great freaking testament of what Jalen Waddle can provide you from a room and spacing perspective, particularly if you're going trips and you put them at three strong. So the Chiefs do this with Tyreek Hill. They put Tyreek Hill at three strong, and then you're either going to put him on a safety or you're going to put a linebacker on. Put more trips out there and leave Jalen Waddle in at three strong. Let him run some of these routes across the middle of the field and just run away from guys. Please. But I thought... Uh, Jalen was more noisy on the field than what he was in the box score, and he had one of his better box score games. He's been pretty consistently productive with Tua in the game uh, for three games thus far this season. We are back and better than ever with a new web interface for the start of basketball season and more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online remains your number one spot for all the basketball and football action this season. You can head to the new updated desktop or mobile website to sign up today. Receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit using promo code Locked On from basketball, football, baseball, postseason, NHL, boxing, UFC. Write to your favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports, and it is where the game starts. My day starts these days with a good old Built Bar. Built Bar is a protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. These things are high in protein, high in fiber, low in calories, low in sugar. They're absolutely delicious. They got 100% chocolate on all their bars. Nine different delicious flavors for you to choose from. A little something for everybody. Keto friendly. 
grab and go, meal replacement, post-workout, midnight snack, breakfast, lunch, dinner, you name it, Built Bar can be in right now. You can visit BuiltBar.com. Use promo code LOCK15 and save 15% off your next order. That's BuiltBar.com, promo code LOCK15 to save 15% off your next order. Defensively, for the Dolphins, Mike Gusecki's a stud, by the way. I know I, I teased I would mention him. Um, you can't let him walk. Not at this point. He's a stud. If you got a franchise tag and franchise tag him, I know I said that yesterday and I'm going to continue to beat the dead horse, but he's a stud defensively for the Dolphins. I thought Emmanuel Agba played well. Um, again, I would love to see more opportunities for Emmanuel Agba. Uh, he only played 42 defensive snaps out of 63. So not a small number, but not the dominating big number that you would ideally like to get. If you told me that there were three guys on defense that took all of the defensive snaps, and they were Javon Holland at free safety, Xavier Howard, and Byron Jones. And the next highest snapped guy was Sam McGuavin. And you understood that some of that came by extension of the fact that Jerome Baker went down in this game and only played 10 defensive snaps, you're willing to, to, to forgive it a little bit. But his snaps, you know, pretty solid in pressure situations. He blitzed 17 times. I still don't love his appeal in run defense. Uh, there were a couple opportunities where he was mugged up into gaps. Uh, the big run by Cordero Patterson early in the game. They had Elena Roberts and Sam McGuavin mugged up into the, the, the A-gaps. And both of those guys got taken to school by interior offensive linemen for the Falcons. And it put them up in position to score a touchdown. Uh, it was a Matt Ryan touchdown pass with uh, Calvin Ridley folding across the set kind of in a split flow action and leaking out into the flat. And we saw Elan and Roberts try and make some kind of diving attempt to disrupt the throw, um, but was nowhere near having success doing so. Um, so I understand the Jerome Baker injury kind of put everybody on the second level in a tough spot. But Elan and Roberts playing 44 snaps hurt Miami. Uh, to be completely honest, and continuing to see it and see him get sucked up in play action passing and not be able to transition and get out for crossing patterns, uh, trying to robot and hunt up uh, Kyle Pitts across the middle. There's a lot of space in the middle of the field. And there were also instances where the Falcons went three by one with receivers and left the back end to protect and pass protection. And Miami zone drops, and I know I mentioned this the other week too, but they're not adjusting their zone drops based on where receivers are. They got, they're playing cover three and it's three by one. And you got three zone defenders triangulating one receiver on the backside and you got two deep high safeties. And on the, the trip side, they're running multiple guys vertical and it's creating these massive voids in the middle of the field. Like the spacing issues were really problematic in a couple of instances in this game. And it's, I, I don't know if they're not 
checking the calls appropriately, if they're not changing the play, they're not anticipating and recognizing pre-snap issues that are at hand. I don't have the explanation for that. But as we continue to see this defense bomb this season, for lack of better phrasing, it's things like that. Three guys in zone coverage triangulating a single receiver who runs short of the sticks on the weak side of the play, and they're pushing aggressively up the, f- the field on the three, uh, the three wide receiver side, and you don't have an opportunity to match the numbers with zone coverage that allowed Atlanta to have some of the success passing the football uh, that they did. Christian Wilkins is playing a, a really nice season this year, guys. I know that the book on him has kind of been ho-hum, right? Not a lot of game-changing plays. I get it. But he's on pace to shatter his career highs in just about every marker, and watching him get off of multiple collision points with interior offensive linemen they put him on the nose on a couple of situations and asked him to rush the passer, and he's swim moving over the center and then parlaying off of that and getting skinny, working through that gap and playing off the guard as well and getting pressure on Matt Ryan. Like he can penetrate some gaps. He can do it. Generally speaking, he has not been asked to do a lot of that. He's just as bit of a good run defender as he's always been. But this is comfortably the best version of Christian Wilkins that we are seeing as a pass rusher. And that by itself is a guy who's getting ready to have us ask the question about a second contract. I'm excited to see that. I'm encouraged to see that. I'll be really interested to see how they choose to handle Jason McCourty's snaps uh, with him going on IR. I would anticipate it's going to mean more Nick Needham. Nick Needham played 24 snaps uh, for the Dolphins this past week against the Falcons, which was the lowest number he's played since week two against the Bills. Uh, Perhaps wisely, given how Buffalo successful Buffalo was attacking him last year. Um, But Nick's been playing good football this year, and that that trend is continuing. Uh, I wish the same could be said for Andrew Van Ginkle. Uh, I thought he struggled again uh, as far as feeling and, and understanding the flow of when you're in zone coverage, getting out to the flats, if they're going to run jet motion across and you have flat responsibility, don't completely lose sight of Hayden Hurst running jet across the field uh, and allowing him to be wide open standing along the sideline as you're you're hugging the, the hash instead of getting some width towards the numbers and dropping 8 to 10 yards depth away from the line of scrimmage, getting away from the line of scrimmage. When he's standing over there is the check down, and they check it down, and he gets a free 13 yards. You got to see that. And I understand that pro football focus numbers are not the be-all, end-all, but in a lot of instances, the pro football focus assessment matches a lot of things that I see on the field. And if you're not familiar with Pro Football Focus, they score every dynamic of playing your individual position out of a score of 100. Andrew Van Ginkle uh, has four games this season out of a possible seven in which he has scored under a 30 out of 100 in coverage. And that becomes problematic when the last two weeks 
He spent 18 reps in coverage against the Jaguars with a 29.4 grade in coverage and 16 snaps against the Falcons with a 28.9 grade in coverage. Opposing quarterbacks this season targeting Andrew Van Ginkle are 12 of 13 for a 92.3% completion. He gave up the touchdown to Nelson Aguilar in week one by overrunning his landmark. So perhaps I understand why they were playing around with Jalen Phillips, who, by the way, only played 15 snaps in this football game. I know a bunch of people were asking where he was. Uh, He's had some fairly productive games rushing the passer and generating pressures. So it's not one. Pretty quiet. He's got 15 pressures on the season thus far for Miami. In uh, 168 pass rush attempts. So almost a 10% pressure rate. It's okay as a rookie. Would have loved to have seen him get more against the Falcons. And I don't know if there was an injury that contributed to that or not. But uh, the same issues for Miami. Zone spacing, awareness in zone. Uh, the linebackers fitting up, getting off of blocks, uncovering in the hole to challenge ball carriers. If you got a plug linebacker and the other linebacker's got to scrape over top, we're not getting over top of climbing offensive linemen. Saw Elan and Roberts get picked off on a number of instances as the guy who was not the plug, he was to the backside of the play and trying to scrape over top and couldn't get there and got picked off and gave up you know, a big lane. I don't have a lot of answers. We might want to entertain some more even fronts and stop using these linebackers to drop. Stop putting Andrew Van Ginkle walked up as an end man on the line of scrimmage and asking him to play zone and drop out into the flat. I'd I'd probably start entertaining some different fronts for Miami. Do four-man front. Ogba and Phillips, Christian Wilkins at the three-tech. And if you want... Or you could put Adam Butler at the three-tech in an obvious patching situation, put Wilkins on the nose, and go four-man down and rush the passer that way and try and get some different start points to get the zone drops to stay more balanced. Might be something I'd consider. We'll see what they do this week against the Bills. We will see what else comes down the chute. Uh, Of course, it's going to be a wild week. Unfortunately, it's Bills week, uh, so you know what that means. We have uh, Locked On Bills crossover with Joe Marino uh, coming up for tomorrow. Uh, Joe's a a dear friend of mine. Um, We will find a way to make this conversation interesting for you, I promise, because I know all of you guys who listen to this show, we all know what the situation is when the Dolphins are playing the Bills these days. So I'm going to press and find some interesting angles to have a conversation with Joe, and I hope you will join me for that. Uh, And if you're listening to this on Tuesday evening or early on Wednesday, make sure you check out the Joe Rose Show. I'm going on at 7.20 a.m. this morning to talk with Joe Rose, Zach Krantz. Those guys are great. Hope to have Joe on the show again this week. Kyle Krabs, fins up. Keep it locked in right here on Locked on Dolphins. Make it a great one, and I'll talk with you guys again tomorrow.